four verses of consequence. And again, Jesus entered into Capernaum after some days. It was noise that he was in the house. Jesus was in a house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bearing one sick of the palsy, which was born or carried of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed where the sick of the palsy lay. And I preach the high value of a broken roof. We sang it. Now we're going to do it. In the name of Jesus, I pray, anoint me to preach your already anointed word. Anoint the people to receive it and move within the promises that you have already made. You are in this room right now. I pray and invoke the Holy Ghost. Let it be here among us. Do your perfect work right here and right now in Jesus' name. And I wish that you would let the Lord be praised out of your own mouth and your own hands. And would you give God great praise right now in this place. And if you're at home, or if you're watching this, give God great praise. That's not, we're not there yet. I want you to close your eyes and forget about everybody else. I want you to give God the greatest praise. I want you to open up your voice and your mouth and your heart. <laughs> oh! I want you to shout to God. He's not far off, but give him your whole, your whole heart right now. Hey, thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. In a short commentary, the famed 
writer once said that we want people to measure us by our intentions, but we in turn measure them by their actions. James was the half-brother of Jesus. He was the leader in the Jerusalem church. If you read his book, located in the latter part of the New Testament, you will notice that there is a sharpness to it. The few parts that are abrasive, he will expose the hypocritical practices of people who did not really practice what they believed. In a few of those verses, he presents a no-nonsense approach to intentions. It's an interesting view because the church was only about 20 years removed from Pentecost. It tells me that the nature of people is the same regardless of the culture, seasons, times, language, or dispensations. We all deal with very similar dispositions and conflicts. James writes what we know as a five-chapter letter, and in it he is addressing many things, not the least of which are intentions. He speaks of them in terms of faith, he calls faith. He confronts believers who say that they have faith but have no actions to back up their declaration. Thus, faith without works, statements without deeds, intentions without actions, all of it dead being alone. And from that time to this time, countless people have shed tears and sincerity, but at the end of their crying, and when their words run out, the question remains if they will make good on their promises or make good on their heartfelt desire, did they follow through? Faith, to many, is a verbal communication, and well it should be, but if that is all, then something is missing to say that you are an apostolic or to say that you are a believer or a Bible believer this is not a bad thing but to make that statement and live otherwise means that you have not risen beyond your intentions to say that you believe in holiness is a pleasant thing to say but is there is there evidence of it or is there a disconnect between the spoken word and the reality of your life and to follow that path, this concept of faith is presented. And I wonder if our definition, definition of faith is the same as the definition Jesus puts on it. When he sees faith, what does he see? And I wonder if our concept of faith is measured only by our intentions and his is measured by what we do, our actions. Because the scripture does not allow me the privilege of making a statement of faith and living a flagrant life. I am not who I say I am if my actions and my deeds, my works and my life do not measure up to my statement. We ought to be very careful not to criticize people who say they are Catholic. But you know they haven't been to Mass in 20 years. Careful not to criticize them. Because there are many who say they are Pentecostals, but they have no affiliation with the Holy Ghost. They do not pray, worship, or believe, or abide by the doctrines of the Bible. It's easy for us to poke 
at someone else and then disregard ourselves. People make statements all the time. Self-descriptions are abundant. Self-commentaries are plentiful. The question, however, remains. It revolves around whether we live what we profess. The profession of our faith is invalid if there is no evidence to prove the proclamation. We are facing this very thing in so many different forums today. And the Holy Spirit has put this word in my mouth for all of us today. To what extent will we go to exercise our self-proclaimed faith? I say today, maybe it's time for some radical acts of faith to take place in this house this morning. Not talking just about our doctrine, but I'll take that on. I'll ask, do you believe that unless a person takes on the name Jesus, they'll be lost? It's in the Bible. Is it true that there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved? It's in the Bible. Or is it that just a nice verse we can gloss over? Is the Holy Ghost, the resurrection power necessary? It's in the Bible. Jesus said without... His spirit, you be none of his. It's in the Bible. He said you have to be born again of water and the spirit. Is, is that necessary? He said, in fact, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Do you believe that? Or is that just something? I'm preaching about our belief that God is a healer. I'm preaching that the blood of Jesus can cover any issue, any emotional duress, that depression can be healed by the stripes that were placed on his back. I'm asking you, can depression be healed by the stripes placed on his back? I'm preaching about the difference between our words and the actions that give those words weight. Yes, it's easy to say, I believe the Lord can heal. It's easy to say, I believe the Lord can deliver. But what are you going to do to allow those words to become more than the air it took to leave your lungs? Can God heal anxiety or disease? Can he? Or will it be medication for the rest of your life? I got a roof I got to break up today. There's a high value in me tearing off the roof. I think it's high time for some of you to be delivered in this house. It is not the will of God for you to be bound by those things any longer. We got to tear up something today to get to Jesus. And I know that he will do the work. Come on, give God praise right now in this place. It's time, it's time, it's time. This is not a fictitious story. I've memorized the story. I've preached it. I've read it. I cannot tell you how many times. I consider these four friends. They are nameless. They are in search of an answer. A friend, ladies and gentlemen, is a person who picks you up when you cannot get up by yourself. Something tells me that they were probably friends before one of them was bedridden. I can't prove it, of course, but there is a greater chance that five friends were connected by love and time and serving and fellowship, and one of those five became sick. He became sick of the palsy. Somehow some cranial nerve became swollen. Tremors result in facial paralysis, and then it always affects the lower half of the body. 
We don't know the whole, but we do know that four friends picked up one and they made the journey. They will prove something. You can say that you love or that you care, but if your hands are empty, chances are you're only holding on to intentions. A lot of people have intentions in their hands. And they judge themselves by intentions. I'm wondering if God judges us by our intentions. They had a friend. Now, if you cannot name a friend outside of your family, chances are you are not a friendly person. Is that offensive? If you can't name one good friend that's outside of your family, you got some work to do. You got a cake to bake and a car to wash, and it's not yours. Mm-hmm. I'm looking, I feel like I should stay right here for a moment. Bible says if a man wants a friend, he ought to show himself friendly. If you're poor mouthing yourself and saying nobody loves me, I don't have a friend, that's because you're not friendly. Don't put it on them. You can find a friend. Cut somebody's grass. I mean the right way with the lines, you know, and do all the stuff. Just (laughs) Mm -hmm. those four friends. Not only had faith that their friend would be healed, but they went to the extreme to make sure it was possible. They were going to do everything they could to make sure nothing was left out of their effort. And that is where faith always lands. It is not proven in mere words, though it sounds good rolling off our tongue. Other people might even be impressed with how we pontificate what we believe. But it will always be what you do and what you do next that determines What you say is matching what you believe. And I submit to you that we go through church services like this and feel the power of the Holy Ghost and we walk up to a moment but then we don't do everything that we can do. It's time for some radical acts of faith to take place here. The days of idle declarations are over and they're empty. They are alone. They are anemic. Whatever our profession, I rise to say, let our works of our hands be the evidence given before the Lord. I did not come here to spin you up. I did not come to hype you up. This is not artificial. But I'm looking in the scripture and I'm staring down four men who went beyond the boundaries of the common thought. And when they could not get in, they did something that was unthinkable. Let me just point this out. Acts of faith always have barriers. There will always be something or someone in your way. Otherwise, it would not be called an act of faith. In this life, if all were easy, you would not be living by faith. You live by faith when you do not have a fallback plan. You walk by faith when you step out of a boat and put your foot down on water. You give by faith when you offer what you do not have and you have to trust God to cover the need. You move by faith when you rejoice before the waters are parted and you don't know how you're going to get through. Acts of faith always have barriers. 
Something or someone will always be in your way. It could be circumstances or your internal conflict of your mind or fear or other people. But the moment you think about doing something by faith, there will always be a resistance. Look in your Bible. The woman with an issue of blood in Mark chapter 5 had to work her way through the crowd. She did not have a direct line to Jesus. It was a struggle to get to him. It was work. It was a thought that materialized in an action. Before she ever made the journey, when she heard that Jesus was passing through, she said, here's the statement of faith. If I can but touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. If I can touch the hem of his garment, that's the verbal declaration. That was the statement of faith. I will be healed if I can touch him. That statement, however, had to come face to face with the barrier before her. That act of faith was battling with the Bible calls a thronging crowd. She did not say, well, if he wants to heal me, he knows where I'm at. God can heal me right where I'm at. That's what a lot of you folks say. If the Lord wants to heal me, he knows what pew I'm sitting in. Really? Go ask the Syrophoenician woman in Matthew chapter 15. She has sought out Jesus for the healing of her daughter. It should have been a simple thing. Have mercy on me, O Lord. Thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed. And then Jesus looked at her and he rebuffed her and he said, this is your Lord and Savior. Jesus said, it's not right to give the bread to the dogs. And watch that woman's response. Look at her barrier. The obstacle is not a person. It's not a crowd. Her obstacle was whether pride or arrogance was going to block her from asking again. Some of you get a no or a rebuff and you're done. Instead of walking away hurt and wounded by what, what he said, she came forward, the Bible says. And she fell down and she worshiped. She kept going, yes, Lord, but even the dogs get the crumbs. I'll take the crumbs. We're getting there. If all we have is a request with no movement, we might not ever reach the place of our deliverance. I say, some of us might have to work through our pride to get our answer. And if you can shift your thinking, bread or crumbs should make no difference to you. It's an internal thing. I've got to get past myself to get my need met. I wonder how many have paused at the impasse of offensive words from their leaders, our preachers, our pastors. Say it isn't so. Surely not. How many have walked away from their deliverance and healing and miracle because they weren't treated the way they thought they should be treated? And they said, I deserve better than this. There's a woman named Hannah. She goes to the temple. She's praying. She's in deep prayer. The priest comes by. He accuses her of being drunk. He's wrong, of course. The spiritual leader, watch. The spiritual leader of her life tells her to go home and don't bring your drunken self into the prayer room again. He didn't even recognize the difference between a burden and a drunken stupor. How many would have gotten up and said, I'm never coming back here again, walking out bitter, 
wounded, disenfranchised. He doesn't even know that I'm burdened. He doesn't even have a heart for me. I've seen many people leave for far less than that. Misinterpretation, false assumption, wrong looks, prayer time is over. We're done. We're not coming back. Do you see how he looked at me? Do you see what she said to me? You see how they accused me, assumed something that was not true? Hear me. Until your need rises higher than how people see you. Instead of all the above rises higher. Hannah said to Eli, no sir. I'm carrying a burden. I'm barren and I want a baby. I'm seeking God for an answer from, from the Lord. I'm seeking. I'm not, I've not been drinking. I'm not drunk. These are tears of desperation. Here's her word. Count not thine head made for a daughter of Belial. I'm not a wicked woman. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. She did not turn bitter. She did not relinquish her desire. She did not let his comment deter her from her burden. And in response, Eli said, go in peace and the God of Israel shall grant thee thy petition that, that you have asked of him this day. I'm talking about real faith and the reality that accompanies more than just pleasant commentaries. Hear it! I feel something moving in the Holy Ghost right now while I'm preaching. Not only did she keep her spirit right, but in time, she offered her son back to the very man who had once falsely accused her. We got a problem, and the problem is pride and self and the internal conflict because we want to be treated right or we're not going to keep praying. There's always going to be a barrier. Say what you want. But until you decide to put away your offense and move past that barrier, whatever your declaration may be, it's going to lay empty and unfulfilled, and you will always be without and wanting someone or something will always stand in your way. I'm talking about radical, active faith today that is greater than people. It's greater than pride. It's greater than assumptions. It's greater than mischaracterizations and anything else that would hinder you. And to that end, no sooner had those four friends approached the house where Jesus stood, they realized that they were late for the reception. The place was full. People were pushed together, jammed the Windows, if any, were blocked. The door or doorways were blocked. No one was giving up their front row seat. No one was offering to make room. No aisleway to walk down. No back door to sneak into. And a decision had to be made. There's a way. It's not conventional. It's a little destructive. I hope they fixed it. It was absolutely radical. But faith became more than a declaration of the voice. It wasn't just a verbal thing that made noise. It became the movement that looked beyond the normal. It is not normal, ladies and gentlemen, to tear off a roof. A broken up roof looks like destruction. But I'm standing here to preach about a high value of a broken up roof. It's not normal to lower beds down from a housetop. It's not normal to bypass the crowd in such a way. And I'm often concerned that if the path is not easy, many will not come. If church is not easy, if the message is not palatable, if convenience cannot be found, people will turn away. But I love the intersection of decision that the Bible offers us. Here it is. When they could not come nigh for the press and that's the intersection between words and actions 
it's always the crossroads of intention and the work. There always seems to be an intersection. There's going to be an intersection. I wish that everyone would do it. I don't know. I've never seen it in my life. I've never seen everybody press forward, move forward. I'd love to have one day when everyone that came to church got exactly what they needed. I'm going to stand here and just say it. How about today? How about today? You get rid of all the junk in your life. How about today? You make a declaration and then make a movement. How about today you forget about what other people think about you? How about today you rise up and say, I'm done with being done. I've had enough and enough is enough. And I don't care what time of day I've got to get to Jesus. Listen, before I criticize any other denomination or any other people about what they do and what they don't do, let me tell you what Pentecost is. It was started in a fire. It was started in a Holy Ghost upper room experience. It came with miracles and signs and wonders. Let me tell you what you're a part of. You're a part of a powerful Holy Ghost new birth experience. He that believeth and is baptized, here's your Bible, shall be saved. Mark 16, 16. He that believeth not shall be damned. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It does not say he that believeth shall be saved. You get baptized whenever you want. This is what Jesus said. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You believe and you do something. You say it and you do something. There are the waters. He that believeth not, if you don't even get there, you can't be saved. You'll be, you'll be damned. You'll be lost. Here's the next verse. And these signs shall follow them that believe. These are the signs that follow us that believe and are baptized. They shall lay hands on the sick they shall recover they will speak with new tongues they'll cast out demons and devils they'll occupy the territory that the devil once had these signs is going to follow them that believe in my name they're going to lay hands they're going to speak with tongues they're going to cast out evil spirits that is what we are a part of I'm not against counseling. I'm not against professional counseling. I'm not against medications or doctors. I'm not against any kind of therapy. I'm not against any of that. In fact, I think God gave that. But I also believe that that's not my first option. That's not my first choice. And I think that some things the doctors can't take care of, they'll never be able to take care of. They're going to treat you to the day you die. And there's a little financial gain in that. But I think the Lord can deliver you today from whatever your affliction. My question is not about him my question about what you are willing to do and what kind of thing needs to be broken up for you to find that it's time 
time for the Pentecostals to be the Pentecostals. It's time for the church to be the church. It's time for the apostolics to rise up in power and authority. This could be my own problem, or maybe it's even affliction, I don't know. It's growing up in the church. It's dad, daddy pastor in a church all of my life. It's hearing the people reply. It's hearing this downer, mopey kind of kind of reply. I, I know the Lord can heal. I know. It's depressive. I'm, I walk away depressed. And even when I was a little boy, I walked away depressed, and I would think in, in my mind, they don't believe it. They don't believe God can heal them. And I would think, I don't think that God can either. I don't think he's going to. And, I, and when I got in my teenage years, of course, you know, I was a little bit more verbal and sarcastic. And I would just walk away and say, no, they're not going to be healed. You'll be sick the rest of your life. It was true, but I probably shouldn't have said it. <laughs> and then I learned to have a filter, but it comes in and out. Sometimes the filter's not there. People make their own declaration. Well, maybe, maybe he'll, if he, if he wants me to be healed, what are you talking about? He wants you to be healed and delivered. No, that's not up to him. He already paid the price for your deliverance. He already paid the price on Calvary. You want him to go back and be beat again and be on the cross again? It's already been paid for. He's already in the house and there's something in the way. It's not up to him, it's up to you. What are you going to do to get your blessing? Listen, you can say, I want to be financially blessed, but if you are not returning what you have now, and your hands closed, he can't put anything in a closed fist. Just, just hear the pastor, hear me out. Work ethic and giving. You can work and give your way out of poverty. You can work and sacrifice your way out of financial duress. But you don't want to do that because you, 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 you're counting the cost. Well, I don't know if I can do that. In fact, when you say, I don't know if I can afford to give my tithing and my offering, I know you'll never be able to afford anything. Because you didn't walk by faith. You didn't move by faith. You're not living by faith. You don't understand what it takes to get to Jesus. I talked to a man this weekend and he said, Pastor, I got to tell you something. He's not even from the state. He said, the Lord spoke to me. He said, we started giving to the missionaries. He said, right now our income is five times what it used to be just because we raised our missionary giving. He said, and now we're giving $1,000 a month to missions. He said, I don't even know how it happened. We got more money than we've ever had before that's what you do when you want God to bless you you tear up things and you do things that don't make any sense to your carnal mind so I'm standing here and I want to know does anyone need to need Jesus do you need to get to him today Are, do you want your healing do you want deliverance do you, do you have a friend are you a friend do you want to be saved? Do you want help? Do you know someone who needs help? Do you have some faith to say, I don't care if I'm sitting here?
I'm not preaching about intention. I'm preaching about you doing something to find what you need because the Lord is in the house today. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now. I, I take dominion. I plead the blood of the Lamb in the name of Jesus. You are a great God. There's nothing impossible with you, Lord. Okay, stay right there, Elder. This is not a show, and I, I wish I could say everybody will. It's okay. I still love you if you don't. Keep your house intact. Stay on the outside if you want. Let Watch other people get their blessing and their healing. But right now, today, there is healing in this house. If you need a healing or deliverance, if you need financial blessing, you need to come and do something before the Lord and show the Lord you are serious about what you need and you know that he has the answer and you ought not wait for me to say another word because God has already spoken in this house and you ought to lift up your hands and your voices and you ought to say in the name of Jesus I pray. That's right, that's right. Forget about everybody else. The Lord's doing the work right now. Forget about everybody else. Yes, I want ministers and the mothers of the church to take authority and to lay hands on somebody that's close by you or move your way through the crowd. I want the ministers of the church, the elders of the church, I want the men of the church, I want the mothers of the church, I want you to turn around, I want you to lay hands on somebody and take dominion right now in the name of Jesus.